Welcome to An Unknown Adventure, episode number 24. Hi, listeners. First of all, I appreciate each and every one of you so much, and I wanted to say that. Next, what's up for AUA? I'm changing future interviews to 30 minutes, hopefully, but that won't happen for at least seven weeks because I already have seven hour-long interviews in the camp. I also have added 15-minute AUA bites to fill you in on what's going on with me. Each of these shorts revolves around a different topic, and instead of making the intros to these interviews longer by talking about whatever I want to talk about, I'm adding that to the KA-only bites. A quick update for today is that my van builders, Wood Electric, are working on my van, and they're doing a terrific job. They're in constant communication, and after they started the build, there were some things that that we had set uh, that actually won't work. So they've offered some solutions and ways around the issues, and I'm actually really excited about the new plans. I'm thrilled out of my mind, to be exact. I posted the most recent pics of the van on Instagram the other day, and that's where I am showcasing all the updates. So if you want to see what's going on, please follow me there, An Unknown Adventure. I had a Facebook page for a hot minute, but I closed it today because I really don't have the time or effort to keep it up. My latest venture is that I am working on two classes, and I will be offering them for super low prices when they first go up and hopefully continue to offer them at super low prices, and I mean super low. Now, the first class is how to move out of an apartment or a house and into a small space, and the second class will be all about how to live in that small space. Now, I know that there are other classes like these, but they're all unaffordable, the ones that I've found, and I also know that after I spend a thousand hours building my classes, I'll wish that I had decided to charge more, but the simple truth is that what's most important to me is helping other people and getting this information out there. And since I am my own audience, I want to offer the classes at a price that feels fair to me and one that I could afford if I was going to take the class. I've been working on a Patreon model for the last few months, and the classes will be included in membership levels, and they will be available first to those who join my Patreon. But I don't have a Patreon yet, so stay tuned. I'll let you know when I do. And that's it, my whole update for now. Today, I interview Simply, who is, quite simply, one of the most exemplary human beings I've ever had the honor of talking to. They are such an inspiration, and they carry both an amazing story and message. And I know they're going to blow you away because they blew me away. And now, introducing. Simply Speaks. Hi, I'm Simply Speaks with Simply Speaks LLC. I'm a transformational speaker and business owner and just a whole one person marching band. I am coming to you from New York City. I'm a transformational speaker and I speak to women, women's empowerment and women's initiatives. My, my whole goal is to inspire women to be as resilient as possible, to be daring, to undo some of the norms and the conditioning that they have been taught. So all in all, I like to call myself a good 
troublemaker, one that ruffles feathers. And I inspire women to do that, to ruffle feathers in spite of what they've been taught, to go against the grain of what is considered norms. I like that. And can you tell us just as much of your story as you feel comfortable? Oh, absolutely. I share my story. And in fact, in in sharing my story, this was helped me to heal. So my story is one of poverty, growing up without a, a mother or father, coming to New York City at age five, to a caregiver who was abusive, and not knowing what to do. And at 10 years old, recognizing one day I was looking out the window and I started, this is when I, what I know now as my intuition, my inner guide spoke to me and said that there's something more than this. And I didn't know what that meant, of course, at 10 years old, but I knew that there was something more. Uh, By the time I was 16, I was kicked out. 16, 17, I forget because it's been so many years, but kicked out as a teenager. Not that I was a, a bad person. I just was raised by someone who wasn't well and bought into the streets of New York City, of the Bronx, the South Bronx, and had to figure things out. And by 19, I was pregnant with a wonderful adult child now. I was pregnant by age 19, not something that I wanted to happen, but it happened out of desperation, looking for a place to sleep and needing $400, landed me in the bed with a married businessman. And out of that came a a beautiful child. So my story is how can you be a champion and be resilient? My story is one of triumph, pulling myself up by the bootstraps and recognizing we all have the ability to continue in spite of the story. Yeah. And in spite of circumstances. Oh, absolutely. And how did you, how did you transform your life? Well, what I did was I decided once I was kicked out, I, I, I was told right off the bat, number one, coming into my caregiver's home at age five, I was told that I was only there because that person, she needed a check and that I was black, ugly, all of these things, which of course are traumatic experiences. And again, I knew that there was something more, but being kicked out, I went into survival mode. My instincts kicked in to survive. So I did what I needed to do to survive, but also in my quiet downtime, that inner voice would come back and say, you're better than this. There's something more. And by the time I was 25, 26, somewhere along there, I was, you know, with a former partner, we were doing drugs, sniffing cocaine, partying. And I went to the bathroom and I looked in the mirror and that inner voice said to me as high as I was at that time, that inner voice said, if you don't stop, you're going to kill yourself. You're better than this. There's something more. And I walked out of that bathroom that day many years ago, and I I went back into the living room and I continued to get high. But the next day is when I started questioning what I was doing Mm -hmm. that very next day. And I started talking about change and doing something more. And then how did you make the leap? I made the leap. That was at 25. It was a lot going on with me identifying my, my, my sexual identity, coming to terms with that and just recognizing, wait a minute, there's something more. I, I want something more. And I decided at age 28, I believe I was 28 years old, that I was going to resign from my city job because although I was living a partying life and sniffing cocaine and doing all these things with toxic people, I was still a working professional. I was a working professional, graduated from college. I was a caseworker. 
And I decided one day I went to work and I was looking around my, my coworkers and the experience. And I said, I have to do something else. And I decided that I was going to become a, a, a professional speaker. Now, of course, I didn't know anything about professional speaking, had no idea. I just knew that I had the ability and the gift to speak, to use my voice in a powerful way. And I resigned from that job. I resigned from the job after having what I now know as an anxiety attack. That was mm-hmm. 19 years ago. I had an anxiety attack. Haven't had one since, since then. But I recognized at that time that I needed to do something other than. Mm-hmm. And so I made the leap of faith from leaving that job. And lo and behold, in the, in the midst of me leaving the job, I had some savings. I became homeless within six months. Why? Because I didn't prepare well. Yeah, I didn't prepare well for the leap, the leap of faith, but I knew that there was a calling on my life. There was a major calling and I was determined to speak no matter what. So there I was in a homeless shelter now with with a child and I made it my business to go around speaking. I put up some flies in the community and I would go wherever they needed a speaker. And at that time I was doing spoken word. Mm. Yeah, I was doing spoken word and my supervisor she informed me about Les Brown, who at the time I knew nothing about Les Brown. I'm like, who is this person? And she's like, oh, you know, you have a lot of things in common with Les Brown. You are a twin. He's a twin. So I was like, oh, okay. He comes from an experience of being adopted, although his adoptive parents, his caregivers cared for him. So I went about researching Les Brown and looking at all of these male speakers, why on my inside, very masculine. I'm like, I was resonating with Les Brown, Malcolm X, Martin Luther King that type of thing. And it's from the shelter, from the shelter, I received the email from, it was a marketing email. Now I know it was a marketing email. I received the email from Les Brown saying that he was going to have a workshop in Orlando. The workshop was $3,995. So here I am in a homeless shelter with maybe, maybe $600 in my account. And there's that inner voice, intuition, that inner guy tells me to take the $600 and make my way to go see Les Brown in Florida. Now, <laughs> you know, I laugh at it today. I had never left the Bronx at that time. I have never, I had never been out of the Bronx and I had never been on the plane other than when I came to New York City at age five. So I'm like, okay, my, in, my inner guide is telling me to go to Orlando. I don't have the money to get in, but I'm going to go. And I booked a round trip flight to come to go and come right back because that's all I had, enough for the flight to get there and come back, no money, nothing to eat, had some peanuts from the flight attendant. And so I'm like, okay, what next? And my inner guide said, well, you're going to go get a a billboard, get the billboard made and the billboard is going to have your name on it. I did it. The billboard said Bronx motivational speaker looking for Les Brown. I'm like, what next? (laughs) Tell me what to do. And so I made my way to Orlando and I went to the hotel And I spoke with the receptionist at at the front desk and I explained to her that I had no money to get into that workshop. Would it be possible if I set up my sign, my storefront sign and give up my business cards, really inexpensive business cards and in hopes that someone would give them to Les Brown? She said, sure. She was amazed by the story. And I set up my sign and I was going to prepare my business cards and I looked up in front of me. And my inner voice, there it goes again, that that intuition said, you're going to meet Mr. Les Brown today. And I'm like, no, that's impossible. 
I put down my cards and I stood up to fix my clothing. I had on a very cheap suit and a, a top hat. Again, trying to figure out my sexual identity and all this stuff. Very just all over the place, 90 degrees in, in Florida. And I looked up and there was Mr. Les Brown walking towards me. And I'm like, that can't be Mr. Les Brown. And he's walking towards me and I walk towards him and I go, Mr. Les Brown, I'm a Bronx motivational speaker. If you give me an opportunity, I'll be the best speaker that you've ever had. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> and, you know, and he's looking at me like, what in the heck is this person doing here? He's eating his lunch, which was some noodles from the Chinese restaurant with his chopsticks. And he tells me, get in there. And I tell I made my way into that conference and there were hundreds of people there, people that paid the $395 or whatever it was. And here I am, this broken and torn person in a cheap suit trying to figure out how can I become a speaker. And I spoke with Mr. Les Brown. Briefly, I was there. I explained to him that I had to get right back. And he said to me, if you keep on working at your craft, you're going to be able to make this amount of money. He showed me a check and the check was for $100,000. Now, here I am in, in a shelter. I'm like, that's a lot of money. But from that experience, I made a, a decision that I was going to do whatever it took to become a professional speaker, no matter how long it takes. And I was 30 years old. Today, I'm 48. And I've been just pushing through, making sure that each day I live my life according to my life assignment. Wow. That's cool. Did you get to go to the whole conference or just the one day? I went to the, it was a one day conference, I believe, oh. or maybe it was a weekend. I can't really recall, but I was only able to stay for a couple of hours. And during the duration of that meeting with Mr. Les Brown, he gave me an opportunity to speak. I went up front and I did speak and I did this like spoken word type of thing. Of course, my craft at that time was very like below level <laughs> and I spoke. And as I was speaking, I recognized that I was getting a standard ovation. And I also recognized that as I was speaking towards the end, people were coming up to me and they were putting money in my hand. Everyone was, they were just giving money, just giving me money. Wow. Mr. Les Brown and his team drove me back to the airport. When I got to the airport, I looked in the bag and I had a couple of thousand dollars in my possession. And I just made a decision like, whoa, I have to do something with this. I have to, number one, I have to heal. If I'm going to get to the next level, I need to go within and clear out all the stuff that I have been taught. So I took that money and I made my way to Barnes and Nobles. I'll never forget. I made my way to Barnes and Noble and I bought every Les Brown book every CD. I bought every CD, every book of Miss Ayala Van Zandt. And I started my healing. And that was 18 years ago, working through the process, clearing out the old in order to build this foundation. Healing is very important to me. And this is what I, I champion each person to do. If you want to get to that next level, you have to go within and clear out the stuff that prevents you from getting to that next level. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's amazing. And then how did you, like, what happened with the homeless shelter? How did you leave? I was working as a housing specialist while I was in the shelter. And one thing about being in a homeless shelter, and I don't know how it is in other states, but in New York City at that time, I'm not sure how it is now because it's been so many years for me, but within the shelter system, there's this conditioning of in order to get permanent housing, you have to receive 
public assistance. And so when I got there, that was the, the whole setup. The caseworkers, the directors were like, you need to apply for welfare. You need to do this. And for me, it was a step back. I was like, why would I take a step back? I was on welfare for from age 19 to age 25, 23. Why would I get welfare again? So I explained to them, no, I'm not going to get on welfare. I don't want the section eight. Oh, it was going to be hard. I said, I'd rather take the hard way than the easy way. And so I was working as a housing specialist and making money doing that $45,000 a year, somewhere along there. So I saved up the money and I checked myself out of the, the hotel. I left the Bronx. I decided at that time that I was going to discontinue my relationship with my DNA family. There was a lot of toxic stuff there. I realized that if I did not leave the Bronx, I would lose my mind because in me speaking the truth, when you're coming from dysfunction, the truth is not accepted and you're made to feel as if you're lying. You may, you start to doubt yourself. And I realized it was in my best interest. If I was going to heal and do away from the old stuff, I needed to leave. And 18 years ago, I made that leap of faith and I left the Bronx and just started working on myself, healing a lot of going within, forgiving the people that hurt me, forgiving myself for not honoring myself. Of course, as a, a child, you don't know that. Um, but just working my way through the whole system for growth. Wow, that's amazing. And then, so then did you start your own business? I did. I started my own business. I've had several businesses over the years. And I realized that in starting these businesses, they are in place to help me get to that next level. So I started one, I have, I run two businesses actually today, uh, DSP Training Solutions and Simply Speaks LLC. And when I left the Bronx and I moved to Poughkeepsie, New York, and again, trying to become a speaker, trying to figure out what to do, offering myself to various nonprofit organizations, not really knowing the foundation and just recognizing that in social services, nonprofit world, in terms of speaking, everybody's looking for the freebie. So I was doing a lot of free speaking. And when I started talking about payment is, oh no, you already made yourself known as a speaker that speaks for free. And I'm like, okay, like what next? And so I realized that I needed employment. So I took on an overnight position while living in Poughkeepsie as a residential counselor, working with young girls with emotional um, disabilities. And during that time, working on that overnight, I was doing my master's degree at, at that time. Yeah, my master's degree at that time. My goal was to continue speaking, building a foundation. And I went to work. This is maybe 11 years ago now. I went to work one night and I was like, okay, what's going to happen? I'm finishing my degree to become a speaker. What do I do? How do I do it? And my inner voice told me, which has always been my guide, don't go to work tonight. And I'm like, I have to go to work. I have a 25 page thesis due. I have to get there tonight. And my inner voice informed me, don't go there tonight. Don't go to the job. I didn't listen to that voice that night. And I went to work. And by the end of the shift, I was being arrested for seven cases of child neglect. Long story in terms of what happened with these teenage girls, but they were very disgruntled and created a a major crisis uh, within the facility, which wind up with me getting arrested and a coworker getting arrested. The unfortunate part of it is that the girls, they continue their behaviors because they were hurt people. And we, as we know, hurt people hurt other people. Mm-hmm. For me, I questioned, I started going into prayer and listening, asking the question, like, why did this happen? 
What do you want me to do with it? There has to be some good out of this. I'm working here on this overnight job to focus on my professional speaking career. Out of that arrest, I started talking about behavior modification and I created DSP Training Solutions. So DSP Training Solutions is a consulting and training development business. And I use those funds from that business to build my speaking business. So it happened so that I can build the foundation that I have now. So Simply Speaks LLC, although I've been speaking for over 18 years, the business was just registered last year professionally and legally. So today I am preparing myself through marketing and writing the book. I have the new book, Instinct and Intuition, The Uprise of the Resilient Woman. And I'm preparing a major launch to uh, transition from my training development business to full-time speaking. So I'm here in New York City and people go, what are you doing in New York City? About a year, it's going to be, no, it's not a year yet, like five months ago, I decided that I was no longer going to rent an apartment, that I was going to buy a house. And in the midst of me preparing to buy a house, I have a nice down payment for the house. I'm told by the real estate agent, okay, you have a couple of thousand dollars for a deposit, but there's one issue you need to work on, which is your credit. And I'm like, oh, wow. See, coming from the inner city, we always think money speaks and money does speak. But now there's the other thing of credit. And so I've been working on my credit. Thankfully, I can say today my credit score is higher. So now I'm in a space where I'm just preparing to move into my first home. So I'm here in New York City in a beautiful suite until that home is is ready for me to move into. In the midst of it all, it's just another way of showing how can you be resilient in the midst of these things? And what do you need to learn to get to the next level? And getting to the next level, I tell everyone, you have to learn the new skill. And what operated in the past doesn't operate in the new space, in the now. Mm-hmm. Well, congratulations on Thank both you. making the business a, an LLC. That's a lot of work. I've done that. It's a lot of work. And then also on your book and the upcoming house, are you going to buy in New York? Do you know? I'm going to be in New York. I'm just going to move further out into the suburbs. Yeah. The city is busy for me. I like New York City. So expensive. Yeah. Yeah. Not for long term. I'm into, uh, you know, the woods, hiking, mountain climbing, that type of thing. Oh, so I want to be, it's important for me, especially with my craft and going within, listen to my intuitive guide that I'm surrounded by peace where I can really hear the messages are coming from me. So New York City long term, it would be a no, no. And do you have any ideas like where you are looking or where you might want? Yes, to I'm going to be the houses in Greenwood Lake, New York. Okay. I don't know where that is, but it sounds beautiful. Very beautiful. Yeah. A beautiful place. I've only been to Nyack. I've been to New York City and then. Ah, and I must say to you, my office is in Nyack, New York. Nice. I love Nyack. I love it. Right off of Main Street. So yeah. So you're familiar with Nyack. Yeah, I've spent quite a bit of time there. I was taking a class every other month for a year in Nyack. Yeah, it was, uh, I love, it's so beautiful. Isn't it beautiful? Rockland County. Oh, yeah. See, I don't even know that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I travel to the office. You, I'm here in New York City. It's more convenient for me. Many of my client organizations are here in New York City within the boroughs and the Bronx and so forth. But I check into my office in Nyack and I travel back and forth in the meantime. Yeah. And it's not really that far. 
No, it isn't. Forty-five minutes. 45 a lot minutes. of people think that is far. Oh, you look. You, your office is way upstate. It's forty-five minutes away. I know that is not upstate. Right. <laughs> Ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. I love that. That's super funny. So, what are you going to do with your other business? Are you going to continue it? You asked a great question <laughs> that I haven't shared with anyone just yet. I've been led, I've been doing the DSP training solutions for officially and professionally for six or seven years. Mm -hmm. When I say professionally, making it very professional and getting it registered and all of that. I've been told through my peers and gone within that this will be the last year Wow. that I'm going to be letting that business go. I'm not sure what that means yet. I don't know whether or not I'll be bringing in employees to continue doing the work. I'm just waiting for, you know, that answer to come. But last week or the week before, that was the message during my prayers. It's time to let that go because it was never, it isn't my passion. It's just a thing that brings in the income to help me do what I do. Right. I understand that. I mean, it's your day job. So yeah, I'm going to be letting it go. The end of the year is the timeline. Oh, cool. So congratulations on that. I totally get that. I don't think that we have to work for somebody else to have a day job. I have my own business and it's my day job and it's no longer my passion. Right. So I'm moving out of that. So I think whatever we do, whether it's our own business or not, there's a time for an ending. There's a time for an ending. And that leads me to uh, my conversation with Les Brown on that day many years ago. He said to me, when you have mastered all that you can master in any one given position, it's time to move on. And so whether I was leave, working a nine to five job when I was clocking into work, my time frame has always been five to seven years because if it's not growing me, I don't need to be there. And so going into to work for a nine to five, very strategic, very like planned and intentional. I was not there to make friends, although I may, met some wonderful people over the years. But my target has always been speaking. So not getting too comfortable where many people oh, I've worked here for 20 years, 30 years with the same position and kudos to those that choose to do that. But it was never, it's never been my mission to clock in and stay. It's been my mission to clock in, build and leave. I like that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. it's very important. I get bored. So like, even if there's still stuff to learn and I haven't mastered something, I'm like, next. Yeah, I, I, I'm a firm believer that, you know, and I speak about it in the book, going within. I, I really believe, I truly believe that we all have a life assignment. I call it the life assignment, the calling on one's life and to follow that direction. Many women, and I'm not going to say men don't have the same challenge, but I find that many women, they don't go within. They, they don't know how to go within and they begin to doubt their next step. So they stay comfortable. They settle in these positions, settle for various things. And it's no, you don't have to do that at all. You can pick up and leave whatever you want. But we've been taught this security blanket. Yeah. And, and there's so much fear around trying something new or different. Right. Absolutely. And yeah. I get it. It's scary to move. It's scary. Everything's scary. Life is scary. Mm -hmm. But is that going to keep us like in this little box, like scared to do anything and just staying here? Ah, <laughs> You have to be willing to jump out of the box. Yeah. There's nothing. Once you've been in the box, there's nothing else in the box. The box is now it's just a box. You need to jump out of the box, get into a new box, get comfortable with that one, then jump on. There's always the next level experience. And when we look at self-actualizing, when you self-actualize, 
you, in order to do that, you have to go from box to box to box. Mm-hmm. And some people go, oh no, I, I'm, this is who I am. No, there's another version of you. You've been in the same box for too long. There's another mm-hmm. version that you haven't allowed to manifest. And it's probably a better version. Oh, absolutely. That's the thing. It's like everything that I've found in my life that terrifies me, if I just do it, it's always led to somewhere amazing, like beyond my wildest dreams. Like in in recovery, they, they have the saying, something like, don't make your own plans because God's got, what, what is it? God's got a better plan for you, one you can't even imagine? One you can't even imagine. Look at this. I tell, I am in New York City. Now, I grew up, again, I grew up in the Bronx. We would come down to Times Square, basic things. And I go, oh my God, it's so nice. It's very expensive there. I am in Times Square. I'm downtown. And I look around, I'm going, I pay for this suite? Growing up, that would not have even been a thought. You shy away from those things. Even now, I go grocery shopping for, like I was telling someone, I did a live uh, last week. And I was like, I bought two pieces of fish and some shrimps from the fish market, $53. Growing up, that would have been, oh, you can't get that. It's too expensive. Put it back. But I'm in a position now where, no, I can. you can have whatever you want. You have to, just to be aware that you manifest what you want and who you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's wow. Okay. I, I feel better because I thought it was really expensive here, but... <laughs> Yeah. Two pieces of fish and shrimp and for, yeah, that's okay. I felt I was feeling guilty because I paid, I was, I have a picture of it, but I won't pull it up, but I paid $85 for two sushi rolls. Whoa. Yeah. I think it was even last night. And I was like, I can, what is going? I can't even do this. And I saw my friend that helped me pick up my van today. She goes, they overcharged you. There's a mistake. Pull it. I want to see the receipt right now. She's really funny. She goes, call them. So I showed her the receipt and they charged an extra tax for my county because I live in the most expensive county. They charged a convenience fee of $10. What does that mean? Right. I mean, the fish was half the price, half that price and all the rest were fees. Yeah. 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 It's crazy. So did you self-publish your book or traditionally publish your book? The book was published with the assistance of Penn Legacy, wonderful, wonderful publishing company who has been a guide to me. I'm a new author. And the, the reality is that when you write a book, you become an author, but you really become an author when you learn how to sell and market the book. It's like, you know, so that's what I'm learning. The book has been a great experience for me. I went out to in California, in fact, in San Diego to Lisa Nichols. She had a workshop. I don't know if you're familiar with Lisa Nichols. I've heard of her. Speaking right, law of attraction. And she was talking about speaking and running a training development business to have something to sell. What are you selling? What is your product? So my product became the book. And I'm like, what is my message? My message is one of being resilient, one of daring to be bold, one of allowing the self to fully unfold, one of acceptance, one of knowing who you are and accepting that no matter matter what, no matter what. I was telling someone that it's been seven months now since I, not, I'm not going to say came to terms with, fully understand the whole idea, idea of identifying as non-binary, a non-binary person. Growing up as a kid, these things were already there, had no idea until I started talking to doctors and therapists. I've always felt this way. And coming out as a lesbian at 25 years old, there was always this other part 
but being told, no, you have to choose. Either you're going to be a femme or you're going to be this. I'm going, but I am both. I'm both. And now I boldly walk into it. Now that I have a name for it, I don't have to hide it. I've hid that part of myself for so long. And it took a breakup from a loving person for me to recognize. You don't get the opportunity to tell people about who you are. You have to let people know right then and there. And it took me losing someone that I love dearly for me to say, you know what? I cannot go into my next partnership hiding this part of me. Wow. Wow. Amazing. And that was another question I had. If you would like, so how has that journey been? You just touched on it, but what does it mean to you? And and how have people perceived it or reacted in your life? In my life, people are, uh, I have a small support system. I call them my three VIPs, very important people. They've been very supportive. The people that I speak with in business, they're very supportive. But the reality of it all is that I've always been me. It was just that I, in the past, I leaned more towards my feminine side, the softer side, what people wanted, what they expected. And so I I didn't talk about, oh no, I'm also this part. This is, I'm in the middle of this non-binary thing. And so it's been like, it's been a great experience just coming full circle and balancing out my hormones and just everything coming together full circle. I'm so thankful I'm so thankful now to the LGBT community, which I shied away from years ago at 25 because of this whole idea of you have to be this way or that way. But the support has been overwhelming, but such a blessing in my world right now where I am. And just I'm just walking into it. Each day is something new. I don't feel bad about any of it. Now I'm at a point where I finally can say this is what was going on when I was younger. But because I grew up in a home where there was abuse and you were taught, don't say that or don't question things. I didn't know. There was always deaths. Like I thought something was, I thought it was defective. I thought something was really, really wrong with me. You know, and I realized now like, wait, no, this is who you are. This is how you've been brought into this space that we call life. Well, and growing up, nobody talked about any of this. Yeah. Any of it. It wasn't even, yeah, it wasn't talked about. It, it was ignored. It was ignored. It was and ignored. It's, it's really sad. And because it's ignored, I know for me and my experience, talking to my therapist and all of this, I can go back from age five, age eight, when I saw certain things like television shows, I was like, oh my God, this is me. Or if I saw, I'm very fascinated with the 1920s black and white type of thing. And I remember the first one, I first time I saw one, there was this man in this suit with a pocket watch. And my insight said, that is me. Like, oh my God, that's me. But I would never say that this is what I see on, this is on the inside. And you, we didn't talk about those things. And I remember like friends would ask me, oh, do you like girls? I would go, no, I would hide that part. Cause it's like, I'm already here. I'm an adopted kid. I don't have parents. Now the last thing I need to do is come out and say that I like the same sex and that I feel like more like a a boy and a girl on the inside. It was a no. Yeah. Especially when we're younger, it's just all the judgment and misunderstanding. And, but now we have a lot of gender inclusivity, which I think is just, it's, it's so just amazing. I can't believe how far we've come. We've come so far, and especially with science, and you grow up, there's the categories, male, female, 
and no one talked about, especially way back when in our time, you didn't hear conversations on gender spectrums or all of that or the other gender. You didn't hear that stuff. People were really confused. What is going on here? And so now you see all these young people, the young people in the LGBTQ community are amazing young adults. I saw the video. She's talking about being non-binary and all of this stuff. And I'm going, look at this. This is me. But I'm getting this knowledge from a, a, a young adult. I know. It just the, And I think social media has a lot to do with it, too, because we get to see other people now. And they're all young. This was not OK when I was growing up. And, and, and even like myself, like now I'm looking, I, I, you know, I've kept it quiet for so long. Oh my gosh, I want to get married. I want to be married. But I settled for just the relationship, just for what we would call shacking up. Yeah. It's like, you can't say that. You can't say that you want to be married. And I'm going, wait a minute. I can, I deserve. So now it's like dating. Oh, I have to date with some intention because I'm looking for a wife. Right. Right. I think that a lot of people are looking for that. I think enough people are looking for that. Yeah. And what about your child? Are, are they supportive? My daughter's very supportive. And really interesting, I, I, <laughs> I chuckle at it. When I spoke to her about it, when I realized what was going on, I spoke to her and I said, this is what I'm finding out. I believe that this is what's happening to me. This is who I am. And she says, I'm not surprised. No wonder and I go, well, what do you mean by that? So she recalls her childhood. She said, you always walked like, you know, that I walked as if I was six feet tall. I said, on the inside, I really feel this way. On the inside, she said, there's this energy, there's this power. So she's not surprised. She's been very supportive. Oh, that's great. That's great. How old is she? She's 27. Oh, young. And what about, I always like to ask people about like your challenges and failures. You've had a lot of challenges, but what about like business-wise failures that kept, but you still kept going? Business-wise failures, changing the dynamics of the business. Because growing up in the inner city, we call what we call in the Bronx, in the city areas, we call it the hustle. So you've always had a hustle. And my hustle when I was put out at, as a teenager, was braiding hair. I didn't realize then that I was doing business. I knew that I was hustling. I needed to make sure I did somebody's hair for $100 so I had something to eat. And so when I started my first business, I was working out of that hustle mindset. And so the money that came in from, quote unquote, the hustle that was actually a business, I used it for things, material things, clothes, shoes, instead of building the foundation build the credit, open up the bank account. And so when it was time to do those things, just really like, okay, where do I go? What is the small business administration? What do you mean I can get credit? What do you mean? So learning those things were, were you know, were, was a challenge. And then I finally came full circle. And even today, I'm still learning. I'm still learning about business credit, still learning about taxes, right? Still learning the foundation of that financial end. All of the other stuff is like, okay, I can do that. Not a problem. As a business person, you wear multiple hats. For me, it's coming full circle with the financial part of it all. Mm -hmm. Right. And I, yeah. And I think that it's normal when we first start making money to want to buy stuff. I look around because I have to minimize everything. And I have, why do I have 70 pairs of shoes? I, I don't have 70 pairs, but I'm just pulling that number out. I have a lot of pairs. I have too right. many pairs. Like why? Or why do I have all these clothes? Like. 
Right. And for me, it was like, okay, I'm making some extra money because when I started my first business, I still was working the nine to five as a training coordinator for a nonprofit. And I was bringing in maybe $60,000 a year, 55,000, whatever it was. But then I had this side business as the business picked up, of course, more money was coming in, but I was still operating it like it was a hustle. And so I remember Mm -hmm. taking $10,000 and I, I went to, I took the family when we went to Punta Cana for two weeks. Like, really? I don't regret it. It was my first time going on vacation. I had never been on a vacation. But now I know, wait a minute. Okay, what's the foundation? I love traveling. I just travel differently these days. Well, pre-COVID. And and what did you do for travel pre-COVID? How did you travel? Pre-COVID, I would travel uh, March and August is my travel time. A week in, a week here and there. I'm not spending $10,000 the way I did initially. But I enjoy myself. I like travel. I call it the mental health break, which we all need for downtime. So I still allow myself that. I'm looking forward to traveling. I haven't traveled since COVID started in March. It's going to be a year. And where did you go? What places did you like to go? I like Niagara Falls. I I love the Dominican Republic. Just traveling, just going. Wherever I want to go, I'm going to go. Florida, I love the beaches. Just here and there. North Carolina to the Outer Banks. It's beautiful. Traveling is, I, I love it. I'm a little bit obsessed with it. So oh, yeah, I think that's great that you're doing that. That's amazing. So what do you, like, is there anything else you want to tell people that I haven't asked? I want to tell anyone that is going to uh, pursue any, any type of dream just to keep going no matter what. If you put your mind to it, you can do it. And oftentimes we look for things things to happen right away. It doesn't happen right away. You have to really scale back and look at what do you need to do with the self. I'm big on the self. The self has to be in order as you prepare for the dream. And so this is why I talk about healing. The healing process is so important. All right. We have dreams, but what do I need to let go of? Who do I need to forgive besides the self? What childhood stories do you hold on to? And so that's what I want to tell people. I want people to know that the possibilities are there. The opportunities are there. And oftentimes people are afraid to go into those dreams, the things they have set for themselves because they have not healed the old traumas. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what about, what would you tell people if they're like naysayers or, or negativity coming their way from other people as they're trying to move toward their dreams? Oh, interesting there. The naysayers are going to show up. The naysayers are going to show up. The toxic people are going to show up. You can't do that. This can't happen. It won't happen. And the reality is that it won't happen for them because they don't see it for for themselves. And so with naysayers, you have to put them in the back burner. All the people that are the toxic people, you know, the family, the friends, the naysayers, don't pay them any mind. Keep on pushing for it no matter what. You don't owe them anything, but you owe it to yourself to get to that next level. This is where I speak about coming out of the box, getting out of the crab bucket and recognizing there's something more. All too often, we hold on to what everyone else is doing. It's not normal. Be the different person. Be the one that's going to show that it's possible. It is possible. And it won't happen right away. It'll happen when it's supposed to happen. Some people have said to me, oh, you walked out of the job, you know, many years ago and you've you've done this, you've done that. And here's what I say to them. Every day that I am willing to do something new, I'm successful. 
And this is what I want, you know, people to understand. You are a champion each day that you get up and you start to process your dreams and your goals, no matter what the naysayers say, you're success. You're a champion. You're a warrior. You're great. I love that. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. And, and I want to go back just to ask you one thing I forgot to ask about your book is what is your book about? The book is about the up, women uprising, being resilient being resilient through the healing process and recognizing again, that there's a calling on their life. The resilient woman has to recognize that there's a calling on her life. But in order to hear that assignment and get in tune with the assignment, she first has to heal, to heal. So the book is about following the instinct, listening to your instinct, and more importantly, listen to your intuition. That inner voice that tells you, go get that car and travel, go start that book. You have to listen to that voice. And so that's what the book is all about. I share various stories. Of course, I can't share my entire journey, but I share various things that have happened to me by following my instincts, my intuition, and listen to that guide. Had it not been for that inner voice, I wouldn't be where I am right now today. I would have held on to that old story. Right. And had you not followed it. Had I not followed it, I would not be talking with you right now. Right. Because I think a lot of people have that voice and we just ignore it. Right. And also a lot of people look for the big, the big aha moment through social media, celebrities, people look for this one thing to resonate as being successful and success is not found in the material things. Although the material and money, those things are wonderful. The success is achieving your assigned goal each day, no matter how big or how small. If you write one sentence, guess what? You are successful. If you write a paragraph, you're even more successful. Or if you didn't sleep last night and you want to take a nap. You're successful. (laughs) (laughs) It's about the reality is that this book is about honoring the self, doing away with the toxic noise from the dysfunction of what we've been taught and learning new thought processes and unlearning the old. There are certain things that we were taught from childhood that they don't serve us in our today. They don't flow with the frequency of life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. That's beautiful. So it's published already. You published it. Yes, the okay. book was released November seventeenth, okay, twenty twenty. And with COVID, you know, I'm here in New York City, and it's interesting. Times Square. I should have had the the billboard would have went up December twenty third, but with COVID, things have been put on pause. So the book will be, uh, the billboard, I would say, will be released uh, here at Times Square May 8th and Times for Mother's Day. So I'll be doing another marketing for the book at that time and beginning to speak more in terms of offering my services to organizations that service women, women's empowerment, organizations that focus on women's initiatives. Very important to take it to the workplace. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's, that's really cool. Is it doing well? And are you on Audible? The book is uh, Barnes and Nobles, Walmart, Amazon, where else am I? Books a Million. Uh, I think, I believe Audible. The book is a hard book and also the ebook is available for those that are interested in the book. It is doing well. Last I checked, it was doing well. And I continue to uh, just push it. I'm looking for the book to become the bestseller. I believe it is a a great book, not because I wrote it, but it's a a book of inspiration Mm -hmm. and a book helping women to see that they can heal from the past. Many women are still holding on to traumas, which prevent them from getting to that next level. And some don't even recognize 
that they're not getting to that next level because they're still holding on to pain of the past. Yep. That's very true. A lot of people just would put blinders on. I know I've been guilty of that and just push through, push through. I don't want to look at any of this. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it is when you begin to take off the mask and peel back those layers that you can find the true self and you find freedom. A lot of people say, oh, that you know that they are free. But many people, they believe that they are free, but they're still living oppressed lives. That is very true. <laughs> My last question is, if you could say something to your younger self now, like a piece of wisdom, what would it be? A piece of wisdom, really interesting. When I was 10 years old, I started looking out the window, as I said, and just affirming and questioning what was on the other side. And I would look out the window and I would say, one day I'm going to be way over there. There has to be something beyond these project walls. And I would say to my 10-year-old self that there's no turning back in life, that the, the possibilities were always there. I would tell that my younger self that the time was always right just to be. I would tell my younger self, that 10-year-old, that the possibilities for change were always present. It was just that I was in a space where there were clouded minds that didn't see the possibilities for themselves. Wow. Yeah. That's great. I love that. Aww. Thank you. So, so tell people where they can find you. And of course, I'll put it in the show notes. People can find me on LinkedIn at Simply Speaks. I'm also on Instagram at Simply Speaks. You can also, you can follow Simply Speaks LLC on Instagram or my personal page as well on Instagram, a resilience speaker, Simply Speaks, Facebook, Instagram. If you type in Simply Speaks, I'm going to show up. I'm the only person with that name. I changed my name 18 years ago. So if you just type in Simply Speaks LLC or Simply Speaks Transformational Speaker Resilience, you will find me. And why simply? Why did you choose that? Really, really interesting on how I got the name. Uh, a former colleague of mine, we were talking about spoken word and I, I needed a stage name to speak. And at the time we were both, and I'm still fascinated with Simply Red. So we would listen to music and she was like, oh, you should name yourself Simply. And I'm like, ah, oh, what does that mean? When you look at the word simply or the word just, one who speaks truth. And for me, it was so important to speak my truth or the truth of the things that I see around me. And so I took the name. I I realized today is years later, uh, almost 20 years later since I changed my name. And I realized that the name is gender neutral. And I'm like, oh, wow, look at that early on. I'm like, I like that name. And so I've been just running with the name and I decided, I didn't know whether or not my coworker at that time was making fun of me by saying simple, but I realized that, you know what, when she said it, I said, I'm going to take that name and I'm going to create a business brand offer it. So thank you, Gloria Berrios. I took the name, regardless of how she gave it to me or the intent, I'm working it. And I am Simply Speaks with Simply Speaks LLC. That's funny and not funny. Funny, not funny. All funny right. and not funny. <laughs> well, it doesn't matter because you are. It doesn't matter because I am. <laughs> And one thing I, I would like to say to people, you have to recognize who's pouring into you because oftentimes people will show up as if they're pouring goodness into, into you, but some people are pouring in to take away. And so we have to know, we have to know how people are pouring into us and what, when they pouring in, what does it serve them? What's the benefit towards them? Is it good for both parties? I, I like my theme for this year is balance and reciprocation. 
That's a good thing uh, for this year. Oh, yeah, it's a great thing. So we have to be very sure of who we allow to pour into us. And just to add on, who's pouring into you when you are broken? Because when you're healed, you start to see things. But an unhealed mind is not aware that someone may be pouring into them in a negative light. And what do you do? What, do you, what would you tell people? Like how, what would you suggest to stop that or even notice that? To notice it. And it, you, you know what? We always notice it. Just like I knew. We know when someone is not good for us. We know when people are pouring toxic stuff on us. But when you're not healed and you're broken, you settle. You let things go over your head the smart remarks, the naysaying stuff, you let it go over your head. So I say to you is that if you are healing or going through the healing process, just pause for a minute and ask your inner guy, that inner spirit is what the person giving to me or saying to me, does it make me feel good? Because we automatically know whether or not we feel good or not. And oftentimes we know it doesn't feel good, especially when it's toxic and we keep on going anyway, because we don't believe that we deserve to be treated better. That is so true. And that's brilliant. It's true. It's, we know. We do know. It feels, I always tell my therapist, like, it feels like somebody took their hand and reached in my chest, grabbed my heart and squeezed it. I'm like, ah. We always know. Yeah, you're right. We do. We do know. That's true. Those are good questions to ask. That's true. That's good. Mm-hmm. We always know. Over the years with me healing, I've always known that I was being treated badly, but I settled, but no more. It's a new day. It's a new time, new experiences. Yeah. I I was talking to my therapist. I met somebody and I, and they were negative or abusive or whatever. And I said to her, well, I figured it out on day five or whatever of talking to this person. And she goes, we need to get it, get you to figure it out. on the first sentence. And I'm like, okay, Kate, at least it was day five and not 20 years later. Like this is, right. (laughs) this is still progress. Right. (laughs) well thank you simply i really enjoyed the interview and talking to you awesome thank you yeah yeah you are inspirational thank you thanks a lot thank you so much for listening if you liked what you heard i'd love it if you'd subscribe leaving a five-star review on apple Podcasts is also highly appreciated You can find me and more information about AUA on anunknownadventure.com. I do try to leave extensive show notes here under the podcast, but also on my website. The notes include links to everything that's been talked about today. However, my main goal is to give back to the community, to you. So if you have any questions, please DM me on Instagram at anunknownadventure. And whether you do or don't, Following me there would light up my entire week. So remember to keep dreaming big because your adventure awaits and I can't wait to hear about it. (laughs) 